Welcome to Using Our Library Voices, a podcast that represents another way that Harris County Public Library provides information and resources to enrich lives and strengthen our communities through innovative programs and services both within and beyond our walls. My name is Rachel Moyer, and I'm a young adult programming librarian from the Evelyn Meadow Branch Library, and I'll be your host this episode. As the days grow shorter and colder, it's human nature to look for sources of warmth, and the merriment of the holiday season can provide just that. We listen to our favorite songs, read our favorite books, and watch silly holiday movies to get in the mood. Some people even tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. This episode, we'll be exploring some of the traditions and tales that make our Decembers a little bit brighter. It seems like every store plays Christmas music earlier and earlier in the year. Should it start after Halloween? After Thanksgiving? Ever? No matter how long it loops, hopefully they're playing the good stuff. What is the good stuff? Well, we've got some thoughts in our Top 12 Christmas Carol Countdown. Hi, I'm Tanner Adams from Parker Williams Library, and I'm going to be talking about popular songs for the holidays. Joining me today is Renee Harbaugh. Welcome to the podcast, Renee. Hi, Tanner. Thanks for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a lifelong musician and performer, elementary school through college, where I completed my undergrad in music and did my postgraduate work in education. I spent years teaching in schools and directing choirs at various churches. Now I'm teaching private piano and voice lessons at Clear Lake Music Lessons, Inc., near the Space Center down in Clear Lake. Very cool. So our program today is the Christmas Carol Countdown, where we rate and talk about 12 popular Christmas songs using our scientifically accurate rating system, which rates our songs from one to five, one being eh, kind of not our favorite and five being the best. Number one, Good King Wenceslas. Renee, thoughts? Good King Wenceslas is one of those things that every band student has to learn. <laughs> but it's still fun. I give it three shining stars. Yeah, that's an old school one. Number two, Carol of the Bells. What do you think? I think this is a really beautiful Christmas song, whether it's sung a cappella or with a bell choir. I would, I gotta say, I want to give this five out of five sleigh bells. Already, ooh. Next up, number three, Renee, what do you think about Silent Night? Oh, Silent Night is one of those universal songs. It sounds good in any language. I know I personally have always loved singing it when I've been able to do it in English, Spanish, and German. Oh, huh. I'm definitely going to give this one five out of five beautifully wrapped presents. On our list is number four. It's three that we kind of lumped together because they almost are the same thing. Jingle Bells, Frosty the Snowman, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Tell me about it, Tanner. Now... These are standards, um, you know, every children's choir sings them, and they're cute, but I really prefer Christmas songs that are a little bit more meaningful. I'm going to give it two and a half out of five candy canes. Ooh, Not that ouch. I don't like it, it's just I really prefer songs that are a little bit more, you know, a little, have a little bit more meaning to them. Number five, Renee, White Christmas, what do you think? 
I think it's a great movie. The the song. Oh, yeah. Mm, the song. Also a really great song. If you really want to capture the nostalgia of Christmases bygone, that is the song. That is the sound of it. And it's just simple and beautiful. I would give it four out of five snowballs. Very cool. Number six, we're going to move a little bit more into upbeat Christmas songs with Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. What do you think? Now, I actually like this one a lot. I think it's fun. Uh, it's a little bit more, you know, like you said, it's a little more up-tempo. I would say that it's a must for any Christmas party. I would give it four out of five Christmas trees. I like that one quite a bit. Number seven Renee, what do you think about Santa Baby, the Eartha Kit version? Okay, Eartha Kit, the original Catwoman. She is the best at this version of Santa Baby. Sorry, much apologies to all of the other ladies out there who have recorded their own version, but she's my absolute favorite. And this is one of my personal favorite Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. So I would give it an absolute five golden rings. Number eight on our list. Now this one I know is a love it or maybe not love it situation. The Little Drummer Boy, specifically the version by Josh Groban. Okay, so you kind of saved it there at the end. I'm not a huge fan of Little Drummer Boy. It's a little bit repetitive for me, but... Okay, yeah, Josh Groban has a really great voice, especially for Christmas songs, but I still, it's not my favorite. I will give it three out of five Parumpa Pum Pums. Oh, ouch, yeah. Tanner. It kind of like, sounds like, like Groban. you got a little bit of that bah humbug spirit about <sighs> this song. I know, I know. Oh, let's see if we can change your mind. Okay, we'll see as the list goes on. Number nine, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas by another fantastic singer, Michael Buble. What do you think? I think Michael Buble could sing the ABC song, and I would listen to it on repeat. Or the phone book. Or the phone book. I really love this song. No matter who sings it, I think it's just sweet, and it's fun, and it just makes you want to get out there and enjoy the season. Very evocative, too. I would give this a definitive five out of five sugar cookies and milk. Let's talk about Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Not a song specifically, but a lot of songs that they do, and please tell me this gets you into the holiday spirit, Tanner. Yes, yes, it absolutely does. I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They're fun to listen to. They've got that hard rock element, and they do a really great live show with more lasers than a Pink Floyd concert. I would absolutely give them five out of five tangles of Christmas lights, because let's be honest, when you're pulling the lights out of the garage, they're just going to be a big tangled mess anyway. That is true. Yeah. Number 11. Renee, tell me your thoughts about Last Christmas by Wham. Oh, goodness. The 1980s coming back to visit us. Mm -hmm. I do like this song. It's different. It's not quite as upbeat as others, but I feel it has its place among holiday music. I would give it... 
three and a half cups of eggnog, but with a little extra cheer, if you know what I mean. Wink! Wink. So coming up on number 12, Renee, what do you think about All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey? I love the energy of this song. It's a newer classic, I think. And, you know, no matter how you feel about Mariah Carey as an artist, she really knocks it out of the park with this one. Yep, absolutely. I definitely give it five out of five kisses under the mistletoe. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Renee, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. This was a lot of fun. It was. And be sure to check out Parker Williams' Spotify playlist where you can find all of these Christmas hits. And be sure to check out Freegal Music on the HCPL website. With your library card, you can get three free downloads per month. Let us know your favorite holiday songs in the comments. And thank you again for listening. you have a question? I said, do you have a question? This isn't your mama's database drill. This is the Harris County Public Library database drill. This is the part of our podcast that will show you the best of the best databases provided through HCPL. So I'll ask you again, do you have a question? Let's hear it. Provide a question by emailing podcast.hcpl.net. On the next Database Drill segment, you'll hear an HCPL librarian take you through the steps of a database that will help you find your answer. If music doesn't get you in the mood, maybe a comfort reader watch will. Our Gabbing librarians are back to share some of their favorite reads and watches that get them in the holiday spirit. Hello, welcome to Gabbing with the Librarians. My name is Jennifer Finch, and I am from the Spring Branch Memorial Branch. I am here with Laura Echevarria from Albany. Hello. And John Harbaugh from Parker Williams. Hello. Today we're talking about our favorite things to watch or read during the holidays. Laura, did you want to get us started by telling us about your favorite? Sure. Um, One of my book favorites um, for the holidays is The Christmas List by Richard Paul Evans. It's very different from other books I have read. Like, it's not romance-based. It's a story about a man who's trying to change people's views on him after finding out after, uh, after messages from people about um, how bad they, they see him as a person. And they, he now wants to change their views on him. So he's trying to redeem himself um, by giving them gifts or trying to figure out a way of helping them in their lives. And I, I love that because it's so different from others. And also in the... For a movie, there's Miracle on 4th Street. I have watched it for years. Family in the living room. I just love that movie, the 1994 version. It's Chris Kringle and Susan, like the court cases, the scenes and the parade at the beginning of the movie, the store scenes. They're they're just excellent with the miracle, with the miracle like feeling at the end of the movie and the this the message of believing as well. Miracle on 34th Street is one of my favorites too. I honestly and I love Mara Wilson in that movie. Uh, how about you John? What about, what are your favorites? 
Well, one of my mom's favorite things to do on Christmas Eve when my brother and I were little was a bedtime reading of Clement Clark Moore's classic Christmas poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. While there weren't any kerchiefs or caps, my dad would definitely be asleep on the couch for a long winter's nap. Because of these fond memories, I like to recite the poem at least once during a library program each December. And if you stay tuned, our library director, Edward Melton, will be doing a retelling of this poem as well. Now growing up, my brother was my best friend and constant companion. I, being the younger, would usually watch whatever he wanted to because he had the remote. One of my favorite holiday movies is The Muppet Christmas Carol. It's a Muppet retelling of Charles Dickens' classic tale with Kermit, Gonzo, Rizzo, and all the usual and unusual characters. And even as adults, we try and watch this one together each year and we'll be trying to hit play at the same time 1,600 miles apart. I think a lot of us are going to be doing that this year. Um, I know my family's been doing things like that for a while, but I think this Christmas we're going to be trying to maybe watch a movie together or play a game. All right, so what is it about these stories that make them perennial favorites? I believe you could say American for Fourth Street for one. Um, every year I, I found that I always enjoy, like, with my family, we always celebrate going to watch on Thanksgiving Day. We always watch the parade. So it's fun in the movie to just have it start right there on Thanksgiving Day. And while the store is now called Coles instead of Macy's, so it's fun to have that experience also in the movie. And just meeting this uh, person, Chris Kringle, who, who is, has this believes in Santa Claus, and Susan, who does not believe in Santa Claus, and having those people interact with each other, seeing how he um, changes her view on Christmas and Santa Claus, and even her mother as well. And it's just fun, the experiencing interactions with everybody in that movie. Also, the Christmas list also has this interactions with all the people. We see people's views on him throughout the story, on the story, and his interactions with his wife and son. And just the, the thing about this story is just it's also a modern retelling of Christmas Carol without ghosts. But it also has this magical ability because this weird situation that he got into that there's this obituary he got about his death when he didn't die. With this help, with that obituary, he now knows how people view him. So he has this chance to maybe redeem himself in people's eyes through how he does things on this Christmas. Yeah, I, I love stories that make you think about how you treat other people. And then sometimes, like Miracle on 34th Street, it's just a great how it makes you feel. It makes you feel warm. So what about you, John? What makes what do you think makes yours perennial favorite? Well, I would say the characters themselves. So in Twas the Night, the narrator, I guess Dad, he encounters Santa Claus and goes through all the different details, all the different things that happen while Santa Claus is dropping off presents. And throughout the whole encounter, there isn't a doubt about Santa Claus, his magic, just pure surprise and elation. And for a Muppet Carol, uh, one of our favorites, uh, me and my brother, are the two characters of Marley and Marley. So they're two old brothers, and me and James would go around and sing their song. We're Marley and Marley, woo! And act as if we're rattling chains and all these things, and our parents would look at us like we're two crazy old little men, which kind of fits. So that sense of wonder, 
that those characters that really bring you in and draw you to it every year either if you are laughing or if you are relating or if you are just having a great time and being you know covered in that nostalgia with your family so would you say marley and marley were your favorite characters uh definitely yeah <laughs> i can imagine anything that makes you have a gimmick to go around with your brother and uh, mess with everybody else in the household. <laughs> that would do it. What about you? What are your favorite characters? I do believe in the Christmas list for one. I'm not sure I have a favorite character really per se, but in American Fred 4th Street, I always loved Kris Kringle in that movie, especially his, he's so different from the other Santa Claus because he's more human-like because he can get angry. He has these moments where he's sad or he's happy. He's not always like like miracle, magical in the sense. He has these moments like when he gets angry on the parade at the beginning of the movie against the fake Santa Claus and his scenes with Susan. He's just, I love that character in that movie and his presence, just the thing that makes me wanna rewatch this movie over and over again. Yeah, the casting on that movie was fantastic. I don't think they could have gotten anyone better than Richard, Richard Attenborough for that role. He just has this wonderful twinkle. If you don't know, he was also the one of the characters in Jurassic Park. And again, in, that, in Jurassic Park, he has that same twinkle, which is hilarious because it's a completely different part. But um, he was just fantastic as Santa. And then I think Mara Wilson was the perfect little girl to p portray Susan after... Natalie Wood from the original. It's just, I, I honestly, I agree. I think Chris is a fantastic character. Well, thank you for uh, talking to me about your favorite holiday reason watches this go round. Next month, we're going to be talking about our predictions for 2021. If you have a prediction and you want to go ahead and email it, go ahead and email it to podcast. That's P O D C A S T at H cpl.net. So yes, go ahead and email us your predictions for 2021 and we'll talk about them in next month's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, John, and thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. The holidays and traditions that take place in December are as diverse as Harris County itself. And one of those holidays in particular is about bringing light to the darkness. I had a chance to interview Rabbi Dan Gordon from Temple Beth Torah in Humble, Texas, to learn more about that holiday. Thanks very much for joining me today, Rabbi Dan. Thanks, glad to be here, Rachel. Today we're going to be talking about Hanukkah and other Jewish holiday traditions. Before we get into it, Rabbi Dan, could I just ask you to give us a quick introduction to yourself? Sure. I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've been in the Houston area about 30 years. And for 22 of those years, I've been the rabbi at Temple Beth Torah. Um, I'm not affiliated with a particular movement of Judaism, for those who are familiar with that. I'm more of a pluralistic, try to encompass everything. Um, and I get involved in a lot of interfaith activities, uh, including have been part of several interfaith trips to Israel. It's great to have you here today. So let's just jump right into it. For those who don't know, or maybe those who think they know and don't actually, what is Hanukkah and where does it fit in the broader holiday calendar of Judaism? So the word Hanukkah actually means rededication. It's commemorating actually a military battle against the Greek Empire at the time of shortly 
around the turn of the last millennium. And as the story goes, the uh, Israelites or the Jewish people were engaged in a period of time where the authorities of that empire wanted everyone to have the same religion. And the passionate Jewish people who did not want to convert waged a war and a battle. They were greatly outnumbered, but they were victorious. And where rededication comes in is that the sacred temple was desecrated in this battle and they had to rededicate the temple. Where the story goes on and what is familiar to most is that there is a legend that the sacred lamp, the menorah, that was supposed to be lit all the time and lit with olive oil, that they had a problem with that because the olive oil got spilled. And it was going to take a whole week to get more oil and they only had enough to last for one day and as the story tells us a miracle occurred that the oil lasted for eight days instead of just one where it comes on the calendar is the interesting part because it's also called the festival of lights and it comes in december on the on the gregorian calendar the lunar calendar in judaism places it in a month that is the darkest the absolute darkest where at the end of the month the most jewish holidays occur in the middle of the month where you have a full moon hanukkah occurs at the end of the month where there is no moon and so that's where the lights come in. And the beautiful piece of it is that the Hanukkah menorah, when we light candles, it's about bringing light into the darkness. And that can be a very special metaphorical feeling, especially at a time like this, when we're involved in the coronavirus and difficult things in our lives, that this is a dark time, not just on the calendar. And so when we light a light, it helps bring a ray of hope. That is absolutely beautiful. We do know, I think most people have heard of the lighting of the menorah, as you mentioned before, but what does celebration of Hanukkah look like in general beyond that? Are there traditions around stuff like food and decoration? There is always food when it comes to celebrating <laughs> Judaism. Even on our fast days, when you don't eat all day, there's a big feast before you fast and a feast after you fast. <laughs> uh, so, the, so the foods around Hanukkah are connected to that concept of the olive oil. Mm -hmm. And the most popular food is called a latke, which is a fried potato pancake fried in oil. Mm -hmm. In Israel, the most popular food is called sufgariyot, which means jelly donut, and donuts also fried in oil. And of course, for children, the most important thing is gifts. And that really has been a borrowing. Um, with traditional Hanukkah, there would be gift giving, but the big gift giving the children look forward to really is connected to the Christian tradition where at Christmas time, it's gift giving season. And so all children look forward to getting gifts at Hanukkah time. Which of the traditions are religiously required and which are cultural? Are there kind of any regional traditions? Yes. So, so the religious aspect of Hanukkah is interesting because Hanukkah is actually a festival and not a religious holiday. Oh, okay. So, yes. So we, we talk in terms of the word mitzvah which most people think of the word mitzvah as being a good deed. It's also considered like a commandment or a sacred obligation. Okay. So the only real religious tradition connected to Hanukkah is 
lighting the candles and we we light one candle the first night and two the second night until there are eight candles lit by the eighth night but in other jewish holidays you're not supposed to do any work um and hanukkah is a holiday where you are permitted to do work all you have to do religiously is light the candles sometime after sundown okay so um then are there what kind of regional traditions are there surrounding Hanukkah? We talked about the the latkes and the menorah. Are there any that you know of? The the real one sort of special difference is there's a, a children's game called dreidel, which is a spinning top, and the and it's a sort of a little gambling game where you get different uh, where you place different things, and there are four spaces on the dreidel each. One is part of a phrase that has a letter that begins with um, the words stand for the slogan Nes Gadol Hayasham, which means a great miracle happened there. And that is where what the dreidels, each letter of the dreidel, the letter for each uh, for each of those words. And the one cultural difference is that in Israel, the letter is different. And so an Israeli dreidel is for the phrase Neskadol Hayah Po, which means a great miracle happened here. And that is really the only the only geographical difference, that and the focus on potato pancakes versus jelly donuts. Well, let's branch out then. Uh, I know for some people, Hanukkah is the only Jewish holiday they're really familiar with. and so they think it's the most important. But what are the other Jewish holidays? And is that concept of most important even one that's uh, relevant? Or just could you give us a general idea of what the holiday calendar looks like in Judaism? Well, I, I could, and that would probably be longer than a 10-minute podcast. <laughs> um, but our year begins, interestingly enough, in two different ways, with two different kinds of really important holidays. The lunar calendar or the calendar that is mentioned in the Hebrew scriptures and the Torah actually begins in the month of springtime, which is the month that includes Passover because springtime is a time of renewal and Passover commemorates the receiving of the Ten Commandments and the exodus from Egypt where, where the Hebrew people were enslaved. And so, and so the official biblical beginning of the year is at springtime because of rebirth. But the calendar really begins, what we call the new year, is in the fall around, usually in September, with Rosh Hashanah, which is the head of the year. And that begins a 10-day period that leads to the Day of Atonement, where on the new year, we start to rethink about what the previous year has been and how we want to improve for the coming year. And so most Jewish people who observe some holidays, Hanukkah is a festive time. Passover is a major time for families to get together because there's a big ceremony and a meal 
And it's sort of considered so many times in the in the Torah, in the Hebrew Bible, we say we do this because we were set free from our slavery in Egypt. And so Passover is a very important time. And the beginning of the year with the new year and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, those are times for introspection and sort of starting over. Okay. Uh, so the people who throw around the phrase holiday season around this time quite a lot. Is that a term that you think reflects the Jewish experience of this time of year? What are your thoughts on that kind of phrase? So personally, and and different people look at it different ways. Personally, I think of holiday season as just a time when people are spreading goodwill toward each other. For me, if somebody says Merry Christmas to me because they don't know I, I don't particularly celebrate Christmas, that doesn't bother me. Um, other people might have different kinds of sensitivities, but I think of a holiday season as, as not about focusing on one particular theology or one particular way of life, but if people are walking around being nice to each other, God bless, regardless of, of how you address God. Mm-hmm. Well, on the note of cheer, is there any like special holiday memories or traditions for you personally that you'd like to share that, you know, give you a special note of cheer? <laughs> yes. You know, I, I think about, I guess the thing that comes to my mind, especially because we're in COVID and not meeting in person, is that every year at our synagogue, and my synagogue is is tiny, we, we have about about 90 households that belong, but when we come together for our annual Hanukkah service, we invite everyone, every family to bring their own family menorah. And we get a lot of different varieties. There are traditional looking menorahs, there are menorahs that are like Disney characters or or baseballs or, or because the only requirement for a menorah is that the eight candles are all on the same level. And a ninth candle, which is, a, which is the candle that is used to light the others, is separate. And this is also symbolic that we're all equal, that, no, that none of the candles is higher than the other, and a reminder that, that all people are equal. And so when we have our Hanukkah service at Temple Beth Torah, and people bring their menorahs, there's always somebody who's very nervous and has a fire extinguisher handy. But when we light all those candles and turn out the lights and we see how one flame next to another makes the light so much brighter. And when we, as people, come together, um, I like to think of the Festival of Lights in which Every human being has a spark inside. And when we come close to each other, then the flame is so beautiful. And so that that probably is my most significant holiday memory, just turning out the lights, having a quiet moment, and seeing all the candles lit, and thinking of them as individual sparks, and then the light of a whole community. That's an absolutely gorgeous image to end on here. I, I'm just absolutely delighted that you were, came and 
talked with me today. I definitely learned some things. Would you like to share any uh, contact information for your temple sure. or anything? They can look for us at www.pbthumble.org. P-B-T-H-U-M-B-L-E dot O-R-G. Or if it's easier to re- remember my name, I'm just rabbidangordon.com. And I, we always have visitors and we always have people who are interested in learning more. And so we're very welcome to uh, engaging in people who are interested in learning. This time of year, a lot of us are scrambling to find gifts for our favorite people. And what makes a better gift than a book? But there's so many to choose from. Where to start? HCPL's collection development librarians have you covered with this special holiday gift book guide. I'm Darcy Casavant, and I'm a collection development librarian at Harris County Public Library. And I just learned about an Icelandic tradition called Yola Bokoflut. And that's probably a bad pronunciation, but I've practiced. Now, this roughly translates to Yule Book Flood. It's celebrated on Christmas Eve where people give each other books and then everybody curls up in a corner with a cup of cocoa and just spends the rest of the night reading. I'm all for this kind of tradition. So if you're looking for some ideas for your own book flood, for the holidays, for any time really, um, here's a couple that you might want to try. Now we cannot start any conversation without talking about A Promised Land by Barack Obama. It's a thoughtful retrospective of his administration, the pressures of being the first African-American president, what the things that he wanted to do, the challenges in getting stuff done, um, and especially the effects of his work on his own family during this time. I recently heard an interview that Barack Obama had with Stephen Colbert, and Barack was saying that his wife Michelle teases him incessantly that her book, Becoming, has far and wide more sales than his. And then to make it worse, at least for him, a lot of times booksellers will bundle both A Promised Land and Becoming. So no matter what Michelle gets, gets her sales, it's a, but it's a boon for us. So that's a book you may want to try. One of the gifts that I'm asking for is called uh, The Art of Star Wars, The Mandalorian. I'm a huge fan of the show on Disney Plus, and I love at the end of each episode, over the credits, there's um, some storyboard art that's just beautiful. Well, some of that's in this book, as well as um, some deep dives into original concept art for characters um, and what it ended up being props, vehicles, environments. And it should have a healthy helping of Grogu, a.k.a. the child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. At this point, you can insert some squealing sounds here that I'm not going to hurt your ears with. But this is a great gift for Star Wars fans of 
any age, it's one of those books that you can go back to over and over again and find something new. Now, finally, if you have a little in your house who loves bedtime stories, one of the newer books that's out that might be a good fit is called Help Wanted Must Love Books. It's written by Janet Sumner Johnson and illustrated by Courtney Dawson. In it, the, a little girl named Shelley loves bedtime because it means that she gets to snuggle with daddy and he reads her bedtime stories. But dad gets a job where his, his schedule is not quite conducive to this time. So she flat out fires him from bedtime reading. And then she holds a series of interviews for the position. And the people who line up are storybook characters themselves. And since storybook character is going to storybook characters, shenanigans are definitely going to ensue. It's funny. It's sweet. It's beautifully illustrated. It's just perfect for snuggling up with your little. And of course, we have these books available at Harris County Public Library if you want to give them a test drive. There are so many other ideas. If you're lacking in ideas, you might want to try our book hunter service. And when you find something that you think will fit, you can always go to your local indie bookstore or wherever books are sold. So may you have a wonderful Yola Bocaflot. Enjoy your cocoa. Meet the Harris County Public Library app. The future is in your hands, or at least in your phone. Available for all smartphones, you can check the catalog, place holds, pick up holds, print from library printers to pick up through curbside service, tie all family library cards together, and so much more. Visit your favorite app store today and put the future of your reading, listening, and watching in your hands. In the bleak midwinter, with longer nights and cold chills, it's not hard to imagine specters in the darkness. Halloween doesn't have a monopoly on spooky after all. In fact, it used to be tradition to tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. So let's hear about some of the books in our collection that beg the question, are you afraid of the stacks? Hey everyone, welcome to Are You Afraid of the Stacks? My name is Jennifer, and I'm the program specialist at the High Meadows Branch Library. And my name is Sadina, and I'm a children's librarian at the Barbara Bush Branch Library, and we both work for the Harris County Public Libraries. In this segment of Using Our Library Voices podcast, we will recommend books for family members who like the creepy side of literature. Today we will be taking a deep dive into two children's books. The first one is Creepy Carrots and the second one is Creepy Pair of Underwear. Both books are written by Aaron Reynolds, illustrated by Peter Brown, and the publisher is Simon & Schuster. First book that we're going to be talking about is Creepy Carrots. So since this is a short segment in a larger podcast, I just wanted to do a brief summary of Creepy Carrots. The story starts out with Jasper Rabbit. He has discovered that there are these perfectly crispy, juicy, amazing carrots on a nearby field. 
and he takes every opportunity he can to go into this field and munch on the carrots on his way to school, sports, on his way home, every chance he gets. But as he continues to do this, there's sort of a consequence where he notices that the carrots are following him and he gets a little spooked, a little creeped out. They are sort of in the distance. They are getting closer and closer. They are quite menacing. And he decides that he needs to do something to keep these carrots from menacing him. So his solution is to go ahead and dig out a moat around the field to make sure that the carrots can no longer escape the field and essentially haunt him around town. Now, the twist at the end of the book is that this fulfills the master plan of the carrots. The carrots are now so relieved that Jasper Rabbit can no longer come into their field and munch on them and take them away Their whole plan was to frighten him to the point where he chose to create a situation where they could not get to him, but really it's so that he cannot get to them. So the next book we're talking about is Crude Pair of Underwear. And here we meet Jasper again, and Jasper is a big bunny and he needs some new underwear. So mom takes him shopping and mom buys a pair of tidy whities but that's not good enough for Jasper. Jasper sees on the wall this green glowing pair of underwear that he just has to have. And he convinces mom that hey he's big enough he can handle these creepy pair of underwear. So he takes them home, puts them on and goes to sleep and what do you know? The underwear are glowing and it scares Jasper. And Jasper doesn't know what he's gonna do about these creepy pair of underwear. So Jasper discovers that the pair of underwear are a little bit too creepy for him. He tries different methods of problem solving and getting rid of the underwear, but the underwear keeps coming back and they just want to be with Jasper, but Jasper doesn't know what to do. Mom approaches him and tries to help him, but Jasper says again, he's a big rabbit. He can take care of this. He finally goes out into the field and buries the underwear. And it seems like his problem of creepy pair of underwear is gone until he goes to bed that night and he discovers it's a little bit too dark and maybe he needs a little growing, a little glowing light. And what does he do? He goes back to the field and digs the underwear up and puts them on the wall. And guess what? The underwear is happy too because the underwear has never had anyone accept them for who they are and they live happily ever after. So I just want to point out that Jennifer had a bit of a Freudian slip um, <laughs> right there where she said, almost said that he needed a little bit of growing up to do instead of glowing. And I thought that was very interesting because she wasn't wrong. The way it came out was very natural because she's right. In that part of the story, Jasper Rabbit as a big boy still was aware enough that he needed a little bit more growing up to do which is why he understood that he needed to go back and get his creepy pair of underwear which i thought was perfect the slip was amazing it was what we needed my recommendation for a young adult book would have to be the designers by little Grant, and it's set in the 1920s which is pretty cool but is also a really dangerous time for a lot of people it's scary and violent but it uses that to relate to the real world fears many marginalized people did and still do have. And if you haven't read the original Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, it's a novella, which means it's short. I would recommend it for this holiday season. The main character of Scrooge faces down three ghosts who show him the real horrors of this world. Abandonment, poverty, the inevitability of death. Written by a man who saw firsthand the terrors of capitalism and child labor. Uh, it's a social story about how altruism and charity can be the first step to turn the world around us. It's really spooky, and it's a really good Christmas story that also kind of invented Christmas. So I would check out any of these books at our local library today.
If you liked any of the titles we've talked about, they are available in print or digital format. Please visit our website, www.hcpl.net, or contact your local library for availability and curbside pickup. Thank you for joining us for our very first go at Are You Afraid of the Stacks? To close out as a special treat, we have our executive director, Edward Mountain, back with us to read Clement Clark Moore's famous poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." Take it away, Edward. "'Twas the Night Before Christmas, A Visit from St. Nicholas by Clement C. Moore. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were all nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief, and I in my cap, had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn, there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window, I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave luster a midday to objects below, when what to my wondering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer, and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner, and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew, with the slide as dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a twinkle, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head, I was turning around. Down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed in all fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose were like a cherry. His drool little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke that encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly. They shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him 
in spite of myself. A wrinkle of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Using Our Library Voices. Join us next time for our New Year, New You episode. From the staff of Harris County Public Library, we hope you have a happy holiday. This podcast was produced by Nancy Hugh and John Harbaugh. Edited by Sadina Schauver, Beth Grappel, and John Harbaugh. Hosted by Rachel Moyer. Featuring Tanner Adams, Renee Harbaugh, Jennifer Finch, Laura Echevarria, John Harbaugh, Ellen Kaluza, Sadina Schauver, Jennifer Nunlal, Rachel Moyer, Rabbi Dan Gordon, Darcy Cassavant, and Edward Melton.